What's going on, everybody, and welcome to episode 15 of the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. Make sure to check out all of the podcasts within Blue Wire Hustle, and also make sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Did You Hear Pod. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang, and Pat, we have a really awesome interview today for all of you listeners. Yeah, as you said, this is episode 15, and it feels like that might be the number of Super Bowls Tom Brady retires with at this point, uh, as he came away with number seven. But we have a fantastic interview with Nick Dayus from the Veterans Minimum podcast here on Blue Wire, and we think you guys really enjoy it. So here it is. All right, so what's going on, everybody? We are joined by Nick Dayus of the Veterans Minimum podcast on the Blue Wire Network. Nick is on Twitter at the Lamb Show and at Veterans Minimum is his show. Nick, thanks so much for being here. Emma, Patrick, what's going on? Thank you for having me. I always like when people are interested in talking to me, so I appreciate the invite. <laughs> no, yeah. great to have you and great to have a fellow Giants fan on the show. <clears throat> yeah, we just spent about five minutes talking about <laughs> something that went down. What was it? Thir- 13 years ago, 12 Thir- years ago. Yeah, so. what was it? February 08 at this point, right? Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, good times. I miss those times. That's that's for sure. It was nice to be on top. Yeah, it's gonna <laughs> take a while for us to get back there, but we'll we'll say that for another time. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I have such a good question for you at the end, but I want to wait to to let you get into it a little bit before I lay it on you. But um, let's talk. I mean, the Super Bowl was two or three days ago at this point, so I think we've gotten our immediate takeaways from it. But I wanted to start off with you, Nick, just asking if there was one thing that you were thinking at the end of that game and you just walked away thinking, man, if I had known that one thing going into this game, I would have thought differently or that one thing in this game changed how I feel about X, Y, Z. What would that be? I actually have been talking about that since the game. I I think I've tweeted it around the third quarter, how I – So a little behind the scenes, when I watch football games, I don't watch with audio. So I'm like really busy throughout my week and I love podcasts. So I usually watch, listen to a podcast during red zone. I know it's weird, but it's kind of the only way that I could consume it. So the reason why I bring that up is I don't really have outside factors influencing any of my opinions or takes, right? I do read PFF stuff. My buddy Taryn works for them. So I have some access to that. So like anytime I talk about football or any sport, it's really my own judgment. And Emma, the reason why I went off on that little tangent there is because I wish I wasn't such a stubborn guy in the sense of I picked the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl last year and this year. Mm. And I was, you know, I'm a degenerate. So I had some financial investments (laughs) made on the Chiefs as well. But the reason with the stubborn thing is I knew the offensive line was going to be an issue and I just didn't have it in me to, Oh, I'm going to really turn away from my pick of Kansas city all year where, you know, new information changes, whatever narrative you have in your head. And I just felt as if, you know, I'm not good at many things, but I think I know football really well. And knowing that they were going to have three new people on the offensive line. And it wasn't so much that it was new people. It's the left tackle is out. So the right tackle goes to left tackle. The left the guard movement. becomes the right tackle. So before you know it, and then if you even back it up further to the start of the year, that doctor dude from Canada, Tardif, yep. you know, he has like the, the two the two named last yeah, name. Duvernay, Duvernay. Right, right, right. Yeah. So he sat out. So really, you're looking at like a third string guard. So and I spent the last two weeks praising the defensive line for Tampa Bay. Patrick, we're both giant fans. We know about what four pass rushers could do. Yep. And so that was my biggest takeaway. And I was like, damn it, man. I, I knew that this was going to happen without those offensive linemen. Why was I such a jerk and not changing my opinion? No, I mean, people talked about it. It was on all the shows. When, when it's on SportsCenter, that's at least when you know that people are, are paying attention to it. And the fact that it's even the offensive line that's on SportsCenter, I thought was a big enough deal. But Patrick Mahomes was better than everything before Sunday. He was willing to overcome anything and it didn't matter that he had the second string third string offensive line he people bet on him to overcome it and finally we were proven wrong and we as in probably almost everyone 
in America thinking that he isn't a magician. He cannot do it all. There is a weakness and it comes in the lack of protection. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point and that we all knew this was coming. Obviously, we knew about the injuries and that it, it was going to be a problem for them. I just, I didn't think he was going to be this much of a problem. I mean, going to, looking at yeah. the stats for it, he was pressured on 29 of 56 dropbacks. That is a Super Bowl record. He, I think his average time to throw was about 3.4 seconds, which was, I believe, the quickest he had all season long. He had no time. He was running for his life on every single play. And while he's the best quarterback on the planet, while no one has the talent he does, while he made the most ridiculous throw I think I've ever seen in my life on the incompletion at the goal line uh, that hit, what, Daryl Williams in the helmet? Yeah. If you have no protection, it doesn't matter. You're just, you're not going to be able to get the ball down the field. And that'll go into my point a little bit about the Bucks game plan, but offensive line was everything in this game. Yeah. And I actually, <clears throat> excuse me on, on my show, I was talking about how I actually clipped it. I'm looking at it now because I use my Twitter feed to sort of like a journal when I'm trying to remember certain things. Oh, that's cool. And, and I think that Super Bowl should be, saved in everyone's mind for when your favorite team drafts a left guard with the 12th pick yep. and we all boo because we're idiots and we can't start <laughs> that guy on our fantasy team i i patrick where are you from um are you from, from long island yeah long oh okay oh is that an islander hat yeah it is oh <laughs> boy all right even well, more bonding experience oh my yeah, god yeah but but uh so you know, I've been to Radio City used to be where the draft would go. So I yep. went to about three, four drafts in a year in, in a row. And anytime an offensive lineman gets picked, the Jeff fans are booing, Giant fans are booing. But then you realize like, oh, you know what? Those guys are the most important, right? I, I always say how find the quarterback, protect him and go after theirs. You oh, can win sure. championships because I saw it with my team, with our team, you know, the Giants. So. I think this this game should be saved in every football fan's mind for when you want to boo an offensive lineman pick in the middle of the first round. No, and he I, overperformed too. Worse overperformed what anyone thought he even could have. He was the one I wanted the Giants to take it for. So it hurts to see the season that he had. Oh, he, yeah, there were four four left tackles, and the yep. Giants got the worst one. Oh, and, it, and it they hurts. took him first too. Yep. It, it hurts. It does. And I, I think you're right with, with, you know, framing this game. And what I look at it, the biggest takeaway from this <clears> is <throat> I actually don't think Tampa did anything special. They played a conservative game plan and, but they played it to perfection. They ran the ball 28 times. Brady only threw the ball three times over 10 yards. So it was mostly short. They didn't need to do anything else on play action. I think they used play action on 47% of their plays their season average was in the twenties. So they more than doubled it. So they really drew Kansas city in there. And then they played with two high safeties on almost 90% of the snaps, which is basically unheard of um, for, for today's NFL with all the different looks you see. So all they looked to do was on their game plan, grind it out, keep it short. They looked for a couple throws down the field, which Brady was able to exploit. Um, and then on defense, they rushed for basically the entire time. Uh, they bl bulls blitz the lowest he ever had in last five years. Uh, and they kept all the chiefs receivers in front of him. So it wasn't some exotic, crazy game plan that Tampa came out with. They stayed conservative and they executed it perfectly. And that's all they needed. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up, Pat, because Nick, I'll ask you this too. Once I finish this point, Pat and I talked in our preview episode. Mm -hmm. I said, I was dead wrong. I said he would have to blitz. I was dead I wrong. I said, I think they should go against their bread and butter all season long, which was to rely on the blitz. Instead, play that too high safety, play conservative, play the defense that got Greg Williams fired over in New York. <laughs> and Pat thought that you should blitz because putting pressure on Mahomes is maybe his weakness. And I actually think what the Bucks did on defense was special and exotic because it was so different <clears throat> from, from what Bowles has done in the past. I mean, he this was his lowest blitz rate of all the games he's ever played yeah. as a defensive coordinator and, and all three of his lowest blitz rate games have come against Andy Reid hmm. that blew me away because stop. Todd Bowles is able to take the moment into consideration take the loss in week 12 and realize that something needed to change and what needed to change was keeping Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey in place and I mean, the Chiefs continue to shoot themselves in the foot with all those misses. But going back to the first part, Nick, would you have 
without this game having been played, obviously, would you have relied on the blitz like usual or would you have played that prevent defense as bowls? Nah, I think that was exactly what I thought he was going to do. Again, the, the four pass rushers, like it's easy to say that a team should just rush four, but you also need the guys to be able to do that. So they got yeah. Barrett, they got Vita Vea back, they got Sue, they got JPP. 8-0 in the playoffs in his the career. Guy doesn't, lose. That? guy doesn't know how to lose, man. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's easy for you to say, oh, yo, just do the NASCAR package and just drop everyone in coverage. They have they have the stallions to be able to do that, number one. Number two, you knew that Tyreek was not going to run wild after he literally embarrassed them. Yeah. That was the most ridiculous thing ever. I played him on DraftKings that week. Oh, and people no. Were telling oh, me, man. oh, no. No, 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 no. Like, I oh, had you played him. him. Oh, okay, yeah, good, yeah, man. I played him. He was, Congratulations, you know, then. <laughs> yeah, it was a really good day. But you knew that wasn't going to happen again. So they really said, let's just drop seven back and play 20 yards off the ball and immediately sprint back. Because I always, anytime there's a, like, I watch the Giants twice a week. Like, I watched the game pass, the all 22 thing. And then I ended up watching this one, too. They were doing that a lot. They were just, the moment the ball was snapped, it looked like the safeties were just doing, like, an about face and just sprinting, mm. like, cover two because Tyreek Hill went crazy. I mean, I, I had a tremendous day on the props because I took all Tyreek Hill props under. Ooh, nice. I took, yeah. uh, I was all in on Gronk. I loved Gronk. Yeah, he went off. Yeah, and... And one of the reasons why is because when a guy has a 270-yard game, a, a team is not going to be like, hey, you know what we're going to do? Let him do that again. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Yeah, it's, it's completely right. Pat, what was one of the things that you – the same question I asked Nick earlier, your big takeaway? Yeah, my, my takeaway was kind of about that game plan and, and how Tampa really executed it to a T. And then, you know, we talk about what Tampa did to Mahomes. They then – absolutely took away anything from Kansas city Brady. So I talked about how Mahomes was under pressure 29 times. Brady was pressured four times on out of all yeah. of his dropbacks. And we talked about it throughout the playoffs. That's been Brady's kryptonite, you know, obviously throughout the years, we continue to reference the giant super bowls. I'll do it again. Um, that that's what has caused him to lose. They didn't come close to him in, in this game. I mean, what their, their sack was when he fumbled the snap and then uh, Passanio from Villanova just, just topped him down. So there's a Villanova yeah. sack uh, for us in the Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, I just, I thought the game plan was perfect when you looked at it offensively, they just, they didn't take shots because they didn't need to. And defensively they kept Kansas city bottled up when it was all said and done. They dominated that game. I mean, when Kansas city defense stopped Ronald Jones on the one, mm -hmm. I literally was like, there we go. Yeah, they come. Patrick Mahomes just won that game. They're going to drive 99 yards in the other direction and seal this thing up. And I, I tweeted out, wow, both defenses are overperforming. I didn't expect this out of the Chiefs defense so early. And from there, it just went completely in the opposite direction. The Chiefs defense was no match for Brady. And, and other teams winning. were able to get after Brady all season long. Yeah, and playoffs. Yeah, it was I, I think the the whole thing with Brady going to Tampa Bay, I think a lot of people are just thinking it was an even exchange. They got rid of Winston and then they brought in Brady. But also they did they did a lot more, right? Like they brought in Gronk, they mm -hmm. brought in A B, they brought in Leonard Fournette, they drafted a right tackle or left tackle. I keep forgetting Wirfs in the first round and it's like no, they hit on the rookies in the in the defensive backfield too. Devin White, best I mean, linebacker in the league for my money at this point. Yeah, I think so, man. I mean, the I know Wagner's good, but man, is he? He's just so fast. And yeah, yeah, he's a beast. I loved him at LSU. I'm like an adopted LSU fan because there's a bar in the city that I go to all the time nice. called Legends Bar, and it's like an LSU alumni bar. So he's he's the truth. And then Levante David has always been one of those. I made the comparison to like an NBA Twitter point guard that NBA Twitter loves. It's yeah. it's like when you would watch Levante David, like the, the real NFL fan knew that he he's been amazing. He's been around career. forever. Yeah, exactly. Right. He's been so consistent. But right. Uh, Quan Alexander used to be there, too. He left, got big money with 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 the Niners. And I always felt as if Levante David was better than him. And he was just like the unsung hero of that defense. But the defense was always the laughing stock. They give up all these yeah. points. They be in all these shootouts. And I was I was super happy for him and JPP probably the most of any guys on the Bucks.
Yeah, you talk about development too from that defense. I mean, that was a point that we brought up going into the Super Bowl. Was that a year ago? I believe Tampa ranked 28th or 29th in points per game, and they turned it into I think they finished at eighth in the league, if I'm uh, remembering correctly. So, like, complete turnaround on defense, and a lot of it, as I said, it's Devin White. It's that pass rush. It was re- uh, retaining Shaq Barrett, you know, last year, keeping him with JPP, bringing in Vita Vey and Sue. You had the getting Antoine Winfield Jr. in the second round. Obviously, huge playmaker comes up with the pick. Uh, in the Super Bowl, Murphy Bunting has developed into such a nice corner mm. for them. Uh, Carlton Davis, like they, there's some talent on that defense. And a lot of it has been player development. A lot of it's been keeping guys around. And then they just added a couple pieces. It's it's Brady's obviously going to be the one that's going to get all the attention. But man, that defense is from where it was even just a year ago to how it finished this year is an incredible performance. Yeah, it's hard to argue against that, man. He's uh... a... <clears throat> Dude's so different. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best way to just put it. It's the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah. That leads so perfectly into my takeaway because the harmony that Jason Light created in this organization is unmatched. Mm-hmm. And I think it could go down as history in history as one of the best duos in GM and head coach and Arians and Light. All three of the, the coordinators being black men two women within the organization. The fact that all three touchdowns that the Bucks scored were players that were not on this team when the, when the season started, Gronk, Brown, Fournette. You could easily say that Brady was the one who enticed those guys. Maybe not Fournette, but Gronk and, and, and Brown. But I was, I was just blown away and I have so much credit to give too light and it's it's the drafting it's his drafting mindset it's having arians just create this culture of winning and to be able to turn from the lowest franchise winning percentage in all four sports to go out in your first year with brady your first year with fournette and gronk and brown you can go down the list and to go out there and win i just couldn't believe it building a culture is just as important as having good players because all these players rallied around Brady and wanting to win. And Jason Light can now stand at the top of it and think that he just created this harmonious situation when you have other organizations that are the polar opposite of that. Yeah, and also, I just pulled up because you guys have been talking about the draft for them. Godwin, third-round pick. Uh, Carlton Davis, second-round pick. Jordan Whitehead, fourth-round pick. Uh, Jamel Dean, third-round pick. It's like, you know, Tyler Johnson made some big catches yeah. for them. Yeah. Maybe not so much in the Super Bowl, but, like, you know, the, the, the Saints game, the Packers game, Antoine Winfield. Like that's how – that's you have to hit on your first-round picks, but you win championships based on, like, the later rounds, right? For Again, sure. I'm going to go back to the Giants. The Giants are the only team in NFL history to have all seven of their draft picks play in a Super Bowl, like actually play in a Super Bowl. And it was the Super Bowl 42. It was like Kevin Boss, Ahmad Bradshaw, Aaron Ross, like those guys, Jay Alford, all those guys actually performed. It might have not been that they played in a Super Bowl, but like they, they filled a stat like they were on a box score. It was something like that. It was something absurd. But that's how that's how you win. And then when you hit home runs on all the free agents that you bring in, it's it's hard to point at a mistake that they made. Yeah, Uh, no. Joe Haig could have had that. Joe Haig could have had that touchdown too, and he was another free agent. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. No, totally agree. And the other thing of the the guys you mentioned, none of them are on big money. They're they're all on small money, so it was really easy or easier for them to be able to accumulate this talent and and populate that offense because with Brady kind of being the guy there, as you said, being able to entice everyone else to come, it just made things easier. I mean, to be able to get Antonio Brown, Leonard Fournette and Rob Gronkowski on smaller contracts than, you know, what their mm-hmm. performance level would indicate. That's really important. And there's not a lot of organizations that were going to be able to do it. And there's another, you know, reason why Tom Brady's where he is. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and on that, that report came out that Mike Evans is open to restructuring that. his contract. And it goes back to something that I've always said. You have to be able to lead by example, right? No matter what it is, yes. because Brady has always taken less money. I know there's some loopholes with the signing bonuses that New England would do that, like shady stuff where 
oh yeah, he's a twelve million dollar cap hit, but if he shows up April first, he gets like twenty eight million dollars. Before you know, he's making forty million dollars a year. So that's what New England's been doing for for ages now. But it's easy for Brady to preach, yo, take less money, we could win. When you go there and you win, and every time, (laughs) right, right, exactly. So you just see his influence over there. There was a report that came out where Tyler Johnson, rookie was crying after the NFC title game because they're going to the Super Bowl. And Brady told him, dude, what are you you crying for? We don't cry to go to the Super Bowl. We cry when we win the Super Bowl. (laughs) And it's like that attitude, that mindset, it's just crazy. Dude still has a chip on his shoulder for being a six-round pick. And everybody got to deal with it. It's unbelievable. Just seventh title for him. Fifth MVP. First player in NFL history to win multiple uh, championships after the age of 40. Like just well, And And each decade, too. Yeah, three, spanning three decades now. And they're going to be up there near the top again next year. So and, it's And the the last thing with Brady, everyone's saying he's won seven he's been to 10 Super Bowls in 21 years and I think that's wrong because yeah. he didn't play his first year and then he missed that whole 20 2008 season. So it's really he's made 10 Super Bowls in 19, 19 seasons. seasons. So it's just <laughs> you're never going to what what's happening between him and LeBron? Oh yeah. Is so ridiculous that you just can't you can't hate on it if you hate on it you're just you're just weird that's like yeah. the best way that it just doesn't make sense it's never gonna happen again yeah it's just, just never, never, never ever gonna happen again i wanted i wanted to talk about mahomes a little bit and the statistic that stuck out to me was that uh let me get the number right he ran for 497 yards on dropbacks before he even threw the ball that's the most of any quarterback since 2016. He was able to do things that no player has ever done, and he hit his receivers in the face with the ball. I, I was beside myself. I thought I wasn't invested. He started missing balls like that, and then I just I couldn't believe that the receivers couldn't get it done for Mahomes with how much he was giving on that field. Yeah, listen, I, I cited the pressure on dropbacks, the almost 500 yards rushing, you know, literally not rushing, you know, past the line of scrimmage, I think sums it up pretty well for just how much pressure Tampa was able to create. And as we said, most of it was with four down linemen. They weren't bringing pressure from the secondary. They weren't bringing blitzes. It was uh, in just a phenomenal performance. <clears throat> But all right, ready to transition to just, you know, maybe one, two takeaways from the NFL season? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. I, I had an interesting one that I don't think – it, it came to me and I was kind of surprised that I even thought of it. So my takeaway from this season is that it's not always the obvious injury that could derail a team season. So Dak Prescott, when he got injured, that obviously just derailed the Cowboys – when Joe Burrow got hurt, derailed the Bengals. When Bud Dupree got hurt on the Steelers, mm. all of a sudden that, that defense started having a lot of concerns. And that was really when the, the Steelers started going down in that tailspin. And when Eric Fisher got hurt, that's when the Chiefs started having a lot of weaknesses. So I'm curious to hear what you guys think about that because <sighs> you're, you're going to try and, and – you, well, you can't prevent injuries anyway, but – you're going to try and put some stock into having a good backup quarterback, having a good backup running back. But when one of your defensive edge rushers gets hurt, when your offensive tackle gets hurt, that might seem more common, less risk. But for those two teams, especially it, it was season ending potentially. Yeah. As we had some wise words before on this podcast, you need your quarterback, you need to protect them and you need to go after them. It's exactly what Nick said. And so when you get injuries at those positions, it's going to affect your game plan. It's going to affect how, you know, what execution you're going to be able to pull out there. So as you said, the Steelers, that defense was still very good. Obviously, you know, TJ Watt had the incredible season. We all know about Minka Fitzpatrick. Same thing with, you know, the Chiefs offensive line just fell apart when Fisher yeah. came out. Was, we talked about having to shift all these different guys to key positions. Mike Remmers experience watching him last year on the Giants wasn't great. So then putting him in a really key position for Kansas City in the Super Bowl not what you're looking for at this point in his career. They're just, those are your three, your three areas. I mean, you want to look at, as you said, quarterback protecting him and getting after him. Yeah. Yeah. When you've been on eight teams in nine years, there's a reason why. So that's Mike <laughs> Remmers for you. Poor uh, Emma, I, yeah. I agree with Bud Dupree, but I also think that they got 
they got cluster injuries. And if you've never heard that term, it's a, it's a term that sports bettors use when a team gets injured in the same position unit, mm. right? So a cluster injury was Bud Dupree, but then they also lost Devin Bush. Yeah. So one of my best friends, Danny, he's a Steeler fan. So we, we always, I mean, they're also on TV all the time too. They're one of the marquee franchises, but I think the combination of both of those guys really derailed them. And then it seemed like something was up with Ben Roethlisberger where he kind of just, there was like five or six quarterbacks coming into the year where I coined it the fall off the cliff guy. Mm. Like we've seen it with Eli. Yep. We saw it with Rivers last year with the Chargers. And then this year, the candidates were like Aaron Rodgers. That was obviously a terrible mm. take. Uh, Matt Ryan. Uh, ben Roethlisberger was one of those guys. Brady because of his age and Drew Brees. Those yeah. were like the five guys. Yeah, the five guys that I had in mind. So, yeah, I agree. It's always it's always that that one injury that because we love we love fantasy football, right? There's over 200 million users across like the f- four major fantasy football leagues, right? There's 325 million people in the U.S. So like 60 percent of us play fantasy football. So Dak Prescott, Joe Burrow, your season didn't really get derailed because you were one and eight and one and three anyway. Right. So like, true. <laughs> it's not as if like, yeah, it sucked that Dak got hurt and he was having a monster year, but let's not forget that Atlanta blew that game, which yeah. was their only win at the time. And then they're in these crazy shootouts. So yeah, it sucks that he got hurt. They probably ended up would end up winning the division if he didn't. So I guess that factors in, but for the most part, it's, it is what it is with the Dak injury, but yeah, it's it's always the one that you don't see. Yo, if we had Saquon, Pat, yeah. week two, second quarter, week that, two, change the whole season. That 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 team that the Giants had this year was the exact team that Saquon Barkley needs to have around them. A, oh, a really absolutely. good defense and a team that was really good at running. They just didn't have the backs to do it. So, yeah, that, that's a that's a pretty dope takeaway. I like that one. Yeah, no, I agree. I'll go with mine too. And uh, apparently, Nick, we have a similar opinion based on your Twitter. So mine is kind of a look back at this year and a little bit look back next year. We've never had it before this year, a team hosting a Super Bowl in their own stadium. It's going to happen back-to-back years. I think the LA Rams are your, right now, that's who I'm picking to go for from the NFC. I didn't even know that. It's in it's LA in SoFi. next year. Yeah, it's at SoFi, the new stadium. I, I think the Stafford, we, listen, we talked about it on our playoff preview, how good that Rams defense is. I have waxed poetic about Sean McVay, God knows how many times over the past couple of years. Now you put him with Matt Stafford, a guy that I understand is a little bit more up there in age, but put him with McVay with that arm talent, that arm strength can stretch the field much more. We know how good that defense is. As I said, I love the Rams even before this offseason commences and we'll see what happens from there. Yeah. I am going to spend a lot of money on the Rams this summer. <laughs> uh, I, I, so I don't really bet week to week, but I bet futures. Uh, I would say heavy futures. Yeah. yeah I'm a, I like a, a nice, you know, long shots and, and I love matchup props are probably yeah. my favorite. Um, this year I had three of the four NFC teams all paired with the Chiefs. And of course, the one team I didn't have is the one that ends up going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> so you can't have it all, I guess. But yeah, man, I think the Rams are going to be a problem next year. And I, I can't wait for that. So I'm yeah, so I, I'm with you on that. Yeah. I'm so excited to see what the McVay Stafford marriage can do. So, and the stadium too. That's the only thing I it's have to beautiful. Say about Hopefully, it. we can get fans in there at some point because it looks seen. awesome. Yeah. yeah. They deserve to host the Super Bowl. All right, Nick, finish us out here. What what was one of your takeaways about this season? That we got through it. (laughs) That counts. (laughs) Seriously, every every week seemed like a surprise. You know, my friends and I, we play in a pretty big fantasy league and we didn't collect money up front, which is something we usually do because, you know, you have to usually pay out your league like around Christmas and people don't want to drop money then. So it's like, oh, let's just have it on draft day. Mm. And this year we just all agreed dude, the season might end week seven, who knows? And then you had all these cancellations. I think every day, but Friday had a game this year. It was something really Jeez. absurd. Yeah. I think Friday even so, had one. Cause the Christmas day uh, game, I think they hit every single day this year. Yeah. You yeah. might be. Yeah. You're, you're right. I would have to fact check that. But no, please yeah, fact dude, check it. So, but I think, I yeah. think it might've been. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I think that my biggest takeaway with, with how crazy COVID was and 
the idea that they didn't have a bubble was wild also, but I always felt as if they couldn't because in the NBA, it works because first of all, you're not inviting all 30 teams. They only invited 20 or 22. Mm -hmm. And then after two weeks, four of them or five, six, whatever it was, well, 16 teams. So six of them went home and then it's easier for you to patrol 30, a 30 person team with like coaching staff and scouts, whatever, as opposed to a 53 man roster. And then you got coaches, trainers, the water boy, the massage (laughs) person. So now you're like a hundred people. It's, it's just too much quantifiable. Yeah. Yeah. So I was really surprised that they got through the season. Um, I love that they did because it helped us get through a little bit of, you know, a little bit of an escape sports is an escape for a lot of people, including myself, but also I think there's a, everyone wanted the passing of the torch to go down like across like Kyler Murray, Josh mm-hmm. Allen, Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson, and like even Pat Mahomes. But then some of these old heads were reminding us that, yo, Rogers just won MVP. Brady just won the Super Bowl, Like, we're still here, you know, that I like that we're still here. So those are probably my, my biggest takeaways. Oh, and the last one, man, we had some bad injuries. Yeah, we did. Like, remember, was it week two or three where I think it was like Barkley got hurt. McCaffrey got hurt. Mm -hmm. Adams rolled an ankle, uh, not Logan Thomas, um, Solomon Thomas, Nick Bosa, like all these guys getting hurt left and right Dak a few weeks later. So that first month, which I kind of also felt was going to be a possibility because you didn't have training camp the yeah, right way. Completely agree. Like, yeah, you just can't throw a guy out there. It's not the same game speed. And just tell them, yeah, you got to go 100 miles per hour. You haven't done nothing in eight months. So that's why you saw all these tears. I mean, dude, I don't work out for a week. I go back to the gym. And I can't walk for two days. <laughs> just imagine having to go play a professional sport. So, yeah. yeah, those are probably some of my takeaways. I know I gave you guys more than one, but it was a combination of a bunch. No, I liked it. It was the same thing with baseball, too, and the pitchers. How many pitchers got hurt this past season? Because they had two weeks to pitch instead of, what, four months like usual. So just we got through the season. They ended up being able to play a full schedule. Super Bowl played on schedule. It's honestly remarkable that uh, that they were able to get this far. And fantastic. We got to enjoy the whole thing. And it still ended the same way it always does with a Tom Brady Super Bowl (laughs) win. So. That was funny how they ended that. I do think the patch, the passing of the torch is coming though. But the way Brady sounded after the Super Bowl, he might not be. He might not be ready for that. He's gonna fight like hell for it. He he said he wanted to play until he was forty five when he was I think thirty seven. I think thirty eight. Yeah, around there. And I mean, forty three just won a Super Bowl, so he he ain't slowing down anything. Yeah, yeah. Also threw like fifty touchdowns, I think across the whole season with the Super Bowl or close to it. Yeah. So yeah, he ain't going nowhere. No, no, no. All right, Nick, I have one question for you. You, you have to answer it in like a word or two. Do you believe in Daniel Jones? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I I let you warm up a little bit. I gave you the warning. Yeah. Nah, I don't. I don't. It's the same mistake over and over. It's just constantly the same mistake. He's had a turnover in all but three games in his career. It's like, dude, come on, enough. Eventually, it's just enough. So, yeah, come on. I I would do a lot of inappropriate stuff to have Watson on our team. That's for sure. (laughs) You know, Gettleman will never do it whenever you're making an offer. They they won't do it, but it's, uh, I just, I just want to have a quarterback, man. I don't ask for too much. I, I do too. I'm, I give it year three and, and this is it. I'm, I'm not, we'll see what I, if I'm assuming they're going to add some <clears> options here, whether it be Kyle Pitts, whether they can get a Galladay or a Godwin, they might be yeah. franchise tagged and really have their options cut in free agency anyway. Um, but I'm going to give him year three and it mostly off of year one. Cause this year was a disaster. I mean, he regressed so much. I think a lot I of like that, like the Kyle Pitts call. I like Pitts a lot. Uh, I didn't, I don't I know didn't if you pair that. him with Ingram or if you, you know, shipping. Go, go, I, I, I can't stand Ingram. I agree. I, I trade him for a day two pick and let's just move on. Um, but I, I give it one more year. Let's see how he does with a little continuity on offense. Give him hopefully a couple more weapons. But if you're not seeing it in year three, I don't care that it's, you know, he's a first round pick. He's supposed to get five years. I'm ready to move yeah. on after next year. Yeah. And give him Saquon too. give him a healthy Saquon for a full year. You never know. 
Yeah, but yeah, I also can't doubt in that first year. I can't doubt the pessimism because, like you said, the turnovers are just—it's such a massive problem. Yeah. All right. Well, Nick, that was super fun. Thank you so much for coming on. We Thank appreciate you. you. Yeah. No, that was awesome. No, nah, no problem. This was fun. I, I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So you can follow along with Nick's show, The Veterans Minimum. Make sure to you know subscribe to that on iTunes so you never miss an episode, and follow him at the Lamb Show. So thanks again, Nick. No problem, guys. Thank you. All right. Well, we hope you guys liked that as much as we did. A super fun, casual, informative conversation with Nick. Once again, Nick Deus of the Veterans Minimum podcast, part of Blue Wire and kind of the perfect mix of recap of the Super Bowl and how awesome Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes are and reflecting on how awesome it was that we got through this NFL season. Hey, and to look forward to the yeah. Super Bowl in 2022, or in exactly. 2022, wow, I, I cannot speak apparently, uh, where the Los Angeles Rams will be hosting. Pat, SoFi Stadium oh. should be the Super Bowl host every single stadium. I would not year. argue with that. I, no, oh I, my, I cannot even express how amazing it is in that stadium. The it's gorgeous. Raiders is pretty cool too, I, but I, I think SoFi is going to top that. It, yeah. Vegas is going to get one at some point. I don't yeah. think they have one officially given to them yet. I will not be surprised at all if in the next year or two it's announced that one of yeah. the uh, Super Bowls in the next over the next decade will be in Vegas. But oh man, I'm be, having it be in SoFi out there in, in California is going to be awesome next year. I can't wait to to have this tape and in a year from now look back on it and have you predict the right Super Bowl. That'll be pretty cool. Or the Rams at two and fourteen. Yeah, right. Or maybe maybe even two and fifteen because you know they might be adding a seventeenth game. game. Yeah, You're exactly. Right. So You're we'll, right. we'll see what happens. But I'll say right now, L.A. Rams to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they're definitely not going to be as bad as the the latter of what you said. Just <laughs> I don't I don't think they're gonna I don't think they're gonna be Super Bowl winners. But I think deep into the playoffs, we could see some interesting things happening believe in sean mcveigh yeah you're right you're right finally your optimism is showing up i, like I know that. isn't that nice listen it's valentine's day week it's you know yeah. a week of love gotta be a little happier right <laughs> all right so we have our numbers to get through and then we have a fun relevant best of segment too yeah for sure all right so i will start things off and then my number is 3.85 and that is the fip or fielding independent pitching of the or career FIP of the highest paid player in Major League Baseball now, Trevor Bauer going to the Los oh Angeles Dodgers <laughs> on Friday, a three-year deal technically worth $102 million, though opt-outs after year one and year two. And why I say his FIP, why it's so interesting. So as I said, career 3.85. And if you don't know what FIP is, it's what it, it's honestly, it's a really good stat to measure how good a, a pitcher is. I know I like to say ERA plus. That's what I really focused on last time when we talked about Bauer. So I'll go to another one. With this one, it focuses on what a pitcher could control. So, you know, walks, hits, home runs, intentional walks, hit by pitch. It kind of brings all that, and it's very similar to ERA. So, as I said, that's a little background. 3.85. Highest paid player in the sport. Comparison of some of the other better best pitchers in the game. Jacob deGrom, 2.75. Garrett Cole, 3.1. Steven Strasburg, 2.97. Even a guy in his own staff, Walker Bueller, is a 3.2. Trevor Bowers being paid more than all of them and a lot more than all of them. It, it is insane the oh, amount man. of money that Trevor Bauer got. <laughs> yeah. To also be fair to the Dodgers, it makes sense to do mm-hmm. it for for where they are right now. But, oh my God, did Trevor Bauer get so much more money than he is worth. I'm laughing because that said right before we started recording i don't want to get into too much of a discussion about this that's what i was afraid of (laughs) that's what i was afraid of (laughs) we can do a whole episode about this at a different time and i think today is eight days removed from spring training yeah eight or nine it's almost here i believe at least for the mets uh pitchers and catchers report february 17th yeah pitchers and catchers is what i meant but so we so we have some some baseball content that is imminent but i'll just say I think that amount of money to anyone is heinous. Other than Mike Trout. Pay Mike yes. Trout that, but... But, you, I mean, I don't think Mookie Betts should be getting $40 million a year, <laughs> $45 million a year next season. But that's an unbelievable number. And 
Walker Buehler is younger than Trevor Bauer. I don't think uh, DeGrom is younger, is he? Uh, DeGrom is entering his age 33 season right okay, now. So while Bauer will definitely be, younger. Yes, Bauer will be 30 this year. Okay, so there are a lot of younger pitchers than Bauer, too, that might end up being a better pitcher than he is, who will get paid significantly less money. I don't know. I, man, I think the only possible good fit for Bauer was the Dodgers because mm-hmm. they are in a win now mode. The Mets, which is the other, which was the other big suitor for him, have other weaknesses to fill, and I don't think the Mets are going to win next year. I think you can probably agree with me on that. That they're not uh, going to win next year? They're going to be one of the better teams in the National League, but when you're stacking up against the Padres and the Dodgers, it's going to be difficult. Exactly. Exactly. Whereas if Trevor Bauer goes to the Dodgers, the reigning champions, the team who won it last year without him, now you're adding a premier pitcher, but that number makes it hard to uh, debate you there that, that that deal might go sideways for the Dodgers in two or three years. Yeah, just just as I said, just to be fair to the Dodgers, it makes sense for them to do this in the financial position that they are, in the team position that they are, that they're so strong Mm -hmm. in basically all aspects of the game. You know, go out there, take the risk, and and try and build a dynasty. So I can see the fit there for going after Bauer. That being said, though, I really think that he is just the greatest benefactor of right place, right time Mm -hmm. ever for the season that he had in 12 starts against the weakest offenses in all of Major League Baseball. Now, that being said, a lot of the advanced stats say that, you know, his spin rate and things like that were off the charts. So maybe you, you're a believer in that. I think Bauer can be good. I think that that career number of, of FIP is pretty high, especially when you compare it to, you know, a lot of the other elite starters in the game. And I just, I, I can't wrap my head around paying the Trevor Bauer level player that much money. That right. That's the biggest thing for me. And the, the, deciding factor there is that much money yes he deserves to get paid sure he should be going to la that's i, I think it's his hometown that was probably he's the from biggest california swear. Yeah. yeah biggest swear for him but that amount of money to anyone is truly egregious to me and la better hope that they go out and win next year i mean really it's listen it's this past it's been put up or shut up for them for a little while yeah. now they finally got over the hump here in 2020 they're, they are well positioned to try and repeat here. And I, I said three teams. That's not totally fair in the National League. I do want to lump the Braves into that w- yes. as well because I do think they are an elite team in the NL. So I believe those are your top four, which will lead to incredibly intriguing uh, baseball this year. I think so too. And I wanted to say one more thing to a really funny tweet I saw. <laughs> it was uh, Jared Krabis, I think. And he said, no one's talking about how, this is paraphrasing obviously, but the Red Sox actually might have traded away Mookie Betts and David Price at the right time because the Dodgers over in L.A. are creating a Soviet Union Russian, I mean, <laughs> hockey team right now of the 80s, and nobody is going to be able to even touch the Dodgers for the next two or three years. <laughs> hey, fun fun fact about t- that, there was a little plucky team that pulled off a miracle on ice. So You're right. Uh, you See? Know. Look at that. I, I, I told you we're being that. positive this week. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, listen, they're, they're a superpower out there yeah. for, for sure. But, uh, so Bauer makes them better, but they kind of protect themselves with it being a shorter term deal. Again, it's still difficult for me to wrap my head around that type of money for a pitcher that I look is closer to league average mm-hmm. than the Garrett Cole, Jacob deGrom level. I'll still, I still think about all the time. I'll never forget. I think it was a number you said, or it might've been in, a, in just a main segment when you talked about. I don't even remember what stat it was, but he's had two above average years. ERA plus. Yeah, ERA I think that's plus. What it was. Yeah. And all the other all the we're other right years at were average. right at average or below. Or below. Yep. Yeah. So, so totally that's... right place, right time is the perfect way to put it. He deserves to be getting paid, that's no doubt. He deserves to be going on a team that can compete because he is a competitor, to say the least. Mm-hmm. But that is a lot of money. Yes, it is. Now let's get to your stat because I didn't want to take up too much time. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to the NBA for mine. My number is similar. The craziest number I heard this week is three. And that is because now for the third time in his career, Derek Rose will be playing with coach Tom (laughs) Thibodeau. Oh, this trade. Um, So, I mean, really, 
It's, Tell me your initial thoughts first. Yeah, so it's bizarre, but it also makes sense in the strangest way in that Dennis Smith Jr., you know, obviously a young player, former top 10 pick, was just buried on the Knicks and yeah. was was never playing. But at the same time, they traded him for Derrick Rose, you know, an, an older point guard. I get it. They kind of brought him in to try to be, A, give them a little more stability at the point guard role. The Knicks are one of the better defensive teams in the league right now with Thibs. Um, but it's... I have a tough time when you're, you know, a younger team trading a young asset for someone that is so well past his prime. Yeah. I think it's strange. That's the exact point. Yeah. They, listen, they might try and flip Alfred Payton now for a second round Mm -hmm. pick. And basically in that way, they recoup the draft pick that they gave up. They also have a ton of second round picks um, because they were able to make some really nice moves. I do like what Leon Rose has done there to accumulate some draft capital. Uh, But so th- I, that's how I, I'm kind of in the middle on it, which I don't like to be. Uh, but it's strange to flip the younger player. But I also understand wanting to have the veteran leadership for you know bringing yeah. in guys like Toppin in quickly. But it's it's a strange one. So I had no idea you would have so much to say about this. Yeah, I know. Wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> my my thing, and you mentioned it. Bringing in Rose probably means that quickly is going to have reduced minutes now, and a lot of people aren't going to like that. Nick fans are going to be upset about that. With the promise that quickly has been showing. But to push back a little bit on something you said, he's only 32, Derek Rose. Mm -hmm. I think for some reason people age him to this incredible degree. and I have seen that. Yeah, in in a different sport, Tom Brady is beating father time again (laughs) and again, and it's different in basketball. You don't see players playing until... They're 43. But I, th- I just think Rose's injury history has aged him. Yes, that is exactly where I was going to counter you with. Yeah, all the and it's a serious, it's, it's, it's of course a serious risk. But I think I'm more on the this is an okay trade side than, mm-hmm. than having more concerns. I just, I like that Rose is going back to Thibodeau. I do too. I think New York is in a pretty good position based on what they've been in for the past, I don't even know how many years, a decade maybe? Pretty maybe much. a little Since less. Since Mike Woodson left, really. Yeah, but the Knicks are 11-14 and 14 right now. They're the ninth seed in the East. This is also the play. year This is the year that there's a play-in game as well, which I love. I do too. For that eighth seed. I'm not willing to say... Well, okay, first of all, I'm not <laughs> willing Derek to say... Derek Rose puts them over the top. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't willing to say that the Knicks were going to go to the playoffs before this trade. I'm still not willing to say that Derek Rose puts them into the playoffs. But I'm 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 okay with them sending Dem- Dennis Smith Jr. Detroit certainly sees him as a reclamation project, and they're mm-hmm. in a rebuild of their own. For Detroit, I think this is a no-brainer. Yeah, why not? They, I mean, Derek Rose is going to be a free agent next offseason anyway, but... I'm I'm excited to watch Derrick Rose back in New York. This is the second time in New York, third time with yep. his old coach. I'm excited. Yeah, and we'll see if it gives the Knicks some offense because that's what they've struggled with the most. They've been really good defensively, but yes. point guard has definitely been a bit of a struggle for them, and not even quickly because quickly has been really good. But yeah. as I said, Alfred Payton hasn't exactly been uh, too good for them no. so far this season. So it gives them a little bit of depth. It gives them that veteran leadership, and uh, you know we'll see how it plays out. You know what I am willing to say, though? What's up? I think Julius Randle deserves some all-star consideration. Been phenomenal this year. He yeah. really has been. No, that it, is it's good I'm to see him play up to his potential, that. too. Me, too. And they, they definitely have... I mean, Austin Rivers is fun to watch. Quickly is fun to watch. There are some guys there that I think could, could could develop into some serious players. And it seems like this year, a good coach is all it took. Yeah, they, they finally have some stability in the coaching position yeah. in, in Thibodeau. I think he's a, a really strong coach and brings a lot of accountability to the team, which is something they haven't had in a long time. Uh, emphasis on defense, which we've seen. It's already paid off. It's just they need scoring. They're one of the worst shooting teams in the league. I know Derek Rose is not exactly a knockdown shooter, but mm-hmm. he should be able to add a little bit of explosion. So I think it's still more of a long-term project here with the Knicks, but you're at least seeing that they're moving in the right direction. 100%. Which is 100%. the first time in a while. Yeah, right? <laughs> Seriously. Some hope for New York Knicks fans, which hasn't been seen in a millennia, it seems like. <laughs> That's exactly what it feels like. But all right, and then we can finish up with uh, our segment we debuted last week, uh, Best Of. I will get things started because I'm sure I will have less to say on this one. <laughs> um, but Emma came up with the great topic idea of Best Of for Super Bowl halftime shows mm-hmm. after we just watched The weekend over the weekend. Uh, I will say... 
that I actually did enjoy this halftime show. I usually don't watch them too closely. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought this one was fine. Um, some ones that stand out to me, I did like this one. I think Bruno Mars did a, did an awesome job a couple years back. And then my favorite one, I'll just go back to 2009. It was Bruce Springsteen out there in Tampa during that Steelers-Cardinals Super Bowl. I love Bruce. I love classic rock. So uh, I know it's not probably what most people would pick, but for me, it's what it's the music I like, so I'll go with that one. Yeah, the old soul music. I, my I parents really, will I... like that. <laughs> um I thought this. I thought the weekend was fine too. I wasn't particularly blown away or anything. My favorite was Maroon Five. I good one. He, Two years I ago, he right? Was so good. Yeah, I think yes. it was. I, th- I, bl- I think it was. It was that Patriots ago. Rams one. Yeah, twenty nineteen. Uh, J Lo and Shakira was last year. Mm-hmm. There have been some really good ones, and I think the trend of what it has become is just really good performers. Yes. And I like that because the past few years we've gotten some really good performers. You can't go wrong with Bruno Mars. You no. can't go wrong with Justin Timberlake. But when Adam Levine was out there, every single song that he sang, I was feeling it. You know and what? I, I'll, I'll give you that one because yeah. I, I, I watched that one um, actually in a, uh, in a bar not too far from where I am right now. Uh, and it was a good time. So yeah. I thought Maroon 5 did a good job there. And he wore that iconic pillow shirt. Remember that? That horrible design that looked like a pillow that was trending everywhere. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. That's why he took the shirt off. Yeah, exactly. But Maroon 5 has some really good songs. They're actually a band (laughs) that I would love to see in concert. They're high on my list. That'd be fun. Yeah, I I like some of their music. So I I thought they did a good job with with that one. So good good call. Yeah. Before you close us out, I wanted to thank everyone for their support during the football season. I think this interview was a really good summation of all the content we brought. And also shout out to our listeners in Thailand. If you are listening in Thailand, please reach out to us because we would love to talk to you. What, Thailand, Germany, Mexico, Chile? Like we've had a, a, a couple <laughs> international listeners. So if you are listening, or and the UK as well, if you are listening yeah. to us from there, please reach out to us on Twitter. We'd love to be able to say thank you. And we really appreciate you listening. We're international now, Pat. We are. This is this is exciting. As the football season ends, we're, uh, we're growing a little more. As We'll get into more baseball and things will be cool. Yeah. All right. So that will do it for this show. Again, thank you to Nick for the awesome, awesome interview. Uh, Be sure to uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Leave us a rating as well to let us know what you think. Uh, Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DidYouHearPod. Um, and we will be back at it on, oh, no, not Saturday. I'm getting ahead of ourselves. Wednesday night after Villanova takes on Marquette, there will be a recap, another recap coming on Saturday against uh, Creighton as we have a packed week for Villanova basketball, and then back with your regularly scheduled podcast the next week. But Emma, that's a wrap. 